If you could choose to be any biblical character other than Jesus, you know, on these kinds of questions, we always have to kind of clarify. If you could choose to be any biblical character, who would you choose? I mean, there's some big ones, right? And there's some really good ones. Would any of you choose to be John the Baptist? (laughs) Remember, John was the guy that showed up grid. He'd been also living off the land, eating insects and whatever he could find, honey. He had animal skins as his clothing. He kind of preached a really strong message and almost seemed to to go in the face of, of conventional wisdom about how you should attract people. Well, our text today from Luke chapter 3 is about John the Baptist. And I think we're going to see some things about his message and about his ministry that by the time we get to the end might want might lead us to say, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'd like to be like John the Baptist in some ways. So, so let's read the text. Uh, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. It's uh, um, uh, uh, the first half of the chapter, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Verse 1. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trasonitas. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that the people should be baptized to show that they had repented for their sins and turn to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road before him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills will be made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places will be made smooth. Then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Verse 7. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee from God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and you have turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, well, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. And what should we do, asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations. And be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. He answered their question by saying, I baptize with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork, Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. 
John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for, of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. And so Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. Verse 21. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son. And you bring me great joy. As John make, as Luke makes clear, John's ministry took place in the midst of pretty tumultuous times. There was conflict between the Romans and the Jewish religious leaders. There was an expectation that the Messiah would show up and help them get unstuck from this stranglehold between this battle happening between the pagan and religious leaders. I, I don't know if you might feel like you're stuck today in between forces that are beyond your control, that are operating within this world, and you just don't know where you are or what you need to do or how to move forward. I, I think people sometimes can feel like they get stuck in their marriage or they get stuck in their job, they're stuck in their relationship with their kids. You don't know which way to go, and so you can become paralyzed. Well, to individuals who are experiencing that very thing in the first century, John has two words. I'm going to say it, it's going to come out three, but they're two words. Repent and be baptized. Repent and baptism. Those were John's words to help people get unstuck. Now, it doesn't change the political realm. It doesn't change necessarily the rulers, but it helps you as an individual move in a different direction. It's striking that after listing all these important people at the beginning of our text, emperors and rulers and governors and high priests, Luke says, and the word of God came, not to any of them, but came to John, who was out in the wilderness, living off the grid and living off the land. And that word that God gave John was repent and be baptized. And that word that he shared with people stirred them to action. Now, I want to talk a little bit about repentance and then we'll talk a little bit about baptism. But repentance is more than just kind of feeling bad about something. Initially, it wasn't a religious word. In today's world, it's kind of a religious word. But in those days, repentance was when you were traveling in a world that didn't have street signs, in a world that didn't have maps, there were no GPS systems to recalibrate when you went the wrong way. You would be walking and traveling and then you would notice little by little like the, I don't remember that hill over there. or that, that, that looks different. I don't remember there being a tree there or that building doesn't look the same. And, and it might grow on you, but slowly you realize, oh, wait a second, I'm going the wrong way. Sometimes you're going down a dangerous path and you need someone to warn you that, hey, this path 
leads into a dangerous part of town or this path leads you out to a dead end. And now we have signs that tell us no outlet. So as soon as you make a turn, you realize, oh, wrong way. In those days, you had to get to the end before you realized. Well, John is warning people that the path that they're on leads to destruction. And people were flocking, flocking to him to hear the word of what it means to repent and then to be baptized. So the first act of repentance is realizing that you're stuck, realizing that you're lost, realizing that you're either at a dead end or heading down the wrong path. But that's only the beginning of what repentance means. You might might have said this, but you probably know someone who said, yeah, I know I'm a mess. I, I know I need to make some changes. And then there's the dot, dot, dot. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you know you need to do something different, but you just don't do it? And sometimes we get happy with the decision that, yeah, at least I'm mature enough to recognize that I'm not doing good. Well, repentance involves a little bit more. Repentance is more than just realizing you're stuck, realizing that you're in a bad place. Repentance also involves making a choice and taking action to go in a different direction. Now you turn and you go down a different road. Oftentimes when you're stuck, you have to backtrack. And that kind of is the image with us and God. We're heading towards destruction. We backtrack, turn around, and now we head towards him, a different direction. And generally, that's a decision if we're traveling with a group of people or as we live with a group of people. It's a decision that we make public. I've decided that I'm going to stop drinking. I've decided to stop smoking. I've made the decision. I want to really move in a different direction. And it's a confession. It's an admission. And it's also a plea for help. You know, it wasn't enough that the people coming to John recognized that they were stuck or in a bad way. They had to make changes to their behavior. True repentance starts in the mind. It is literally, metonia is a change of mind. But it then manifests itself in a change of behavior. It's not true repentance if there's no change in behavior or lifestyle. So the individuals coming to John for baptism asked the appropriate question. What should we do? They realized that they were not going down the right path. So what should we do? If someone came to you and say, yeah, I know my life's a mess. What do I need to do? What do I need to change? What do I need to do differently? Well, as John answers that question, he doesn't say the big things that you might think. Stop murdering. Stop fornicating or committing adultery. The, the, the things that he mentions, surprisingly, are things that we still struggle with today. Because they're not the things that are the big bad sins. 
those we might be better at avoiding. But these other ones, they kind of have a way of making a home in our heart. To the crowds, he says, share what you have with people that need it. Tax collectors, whatever your job is, do it well and do it honestly. Don't use your position for, mis- for dishonest gain. To the soldiers, be content with your pay. Don't extort, take advantage of people, threaten people. Share what you have with those who need it. At your job, work hard and be honest. And then be content with your pay. And don't find ways to work the system to get more than corresponds or more than you should or how to add on more and more. And then John does emphasize the need for baptism. Now, in the Jewish world of the first century, there were two types of baptisms. There were the daily washings that the Jewish practiced, the purification rites that they were involved in. And then there was what was called proselyte baptism. That's when a person who wasn't a Jew wanted to become a part of the Jewish faith. They would have to go through baptism. And evidently from what John says, that's what he's talking about. Because one of the objections that the people had was like, hey, wait a second. We're Abraham's descendants. We're already in. We we don't need to go through this baptism thing. And John says, yeah, you kind of do because no, you're not. Being a follower of God in name only doesn't cut it. And evidently the way that they were living showed John and also revealed to them that their relationship with God really wasn't what it should be. You know, we put a lot of stock in going to church or uh, 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 giving our offering, making donations. And sometimes those things can lull us into, and even our own baptism, our own faith experience, they can lull us into a sense of false confidence that, yeah, we're good. We're good because I do all these things. But but really, John says that life transformation goes deeper because it has to do with where your true loyalties are. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't make you one. Going to a church does not make you a Christian. It's the fruit of that tree of your life that really determines where your allegiance is. And that leads me to one last thought about repentance. You know, we tend to think of repentance as specific sins. And we tend to think of the big sins. But the smaller ones, the less noticeable, the ones that have to do with attitudes, those are a little more challenging for us. And and John focuses on those possessions and how we treat people. Because in this word that John received from the Lord, 
that was as important, if not more important, than some of the big sins that the people were aware of. True repentance recognizes that all those behaviors, the big ones and the little ones, will put us on a path that leads us away from God. Now, it's not that God can't forgive all those sins. It's just that if I don't think that they're that bad, I don't take them seriously and I don't do anything about them. And personally, I think that's why the Christian church or Christians in general for centuries have allowed horrendous, horrible things to happen in the name of Christ that should have been dealt with a long time ago because the Bible is real clear. I mean, how does Christianity reconcile itself with racism and prejudice and looking down on a group of people because either their gender or their skin color or their nationality or their language? How do Christians, people who call themselves Christians, reconcile that? Many of the early slave traders and slave owners were church-going folk. How do you reconcile that? Well, somehow in your mind, you decide that it's not that bad. And so I don't have to change it. And I kind of live with it. And it makes a home in my heart. And it gets passed on from generation to generation. And at some point, a generation... A society, a family, an individual has to say, wait a second. How I use my possessions and how I treat others is fundamentally the core of this good fruit that I'm supposed to demonstrate in my life. And that's what John calls people to do. At the end of our text... The most important person of all, not the political and religious leaders, not John himself, but Jesus appears to be baptized. Can you imagine the scene? People are coming and John is baptizing and one by one. And Jesus doesn't push himself to the front of the line. He doesn't stand off and criticize and says, hey, John, you're not doing that right. He just gets in line. And when it's his turn, (laughs) he's baptized. You know, for centuries, people have wondered, why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't need to repent. He didn't have sins. Early Christian authors had some interesting ideas. Irenaeus, right in the second century, wrote, the reason Jesus was baptized was so that he could purify the water by the means by the means of his life and passion. Maximus of Turin, a 5th century author, wrote something similar. He said that Jesus wasn't baptized for himself. He was actually baptized for us. That once he entered into the water, he washed the waters of the river and made baptism that cleansing place. Gordon MacDonald has a little exercise, a mental exercise that I think is useful. Uh, Imagine people are coming up to be baptized and there was a table 
and they had name tags and a, a, a permanent marker and says, okay, first name, put it on the name tag. What's your biggest sin? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first guy's name, Ralph. He says, Ralph, okay, uh, uh, embezzler. All right, put it on, slap that tag on you. Now you're ready, get in line to be baptized. Next person up, what's your name? Mary. Worst sin? Yeah, I like to gossip. Oh, gossip. Wrote it on the thing. Next person, George. Sin? Covetous. I really like, okay, covetous. Next person, sin? Well, I committed adulterer. And each person is standing in line with his name tag, with their name and their worst sin. And then Jesus shows up. <laughs> name, Jesus. Worst sin? I don't have one. So Jesus goes to the line and starts taking the name tags off all the people and puts them on himself. So he gets Ralph's name tag. <laughs> he gets Mary's name tag. And now Jesus is covered with all the sins of the people. And those sins that are written in permanent marker, almost tattooed onto our very souls, once they're on Jesus and he enters the water, are gone. They die with Jesus when he goes through baptism. And then when he rises up out of the water is when people realize who he was and the heavens open and this voice, you are my dearly loved son. I am really, really happy for who you are. You bring me great joy. And when we are baptized, we experience the same thing. The heavens open. And God looks down and says, you are my dearly loved son and daughter. You bring me great joy. Can we help you with that decision today? Paul is going to mention last Sunday afternoon, we had a young man that wanted to be baptized. So we came up to the building and we witnessed that experience take place. We would love to help you. If you need help in figuring out how to repent or how to get back on track or how to get unstuck, please, we're here to serve and we're here to help. Our brother Paul is here, one of our elders, to lead us through some prayer requests and then to pray. God bless you. And remember, two words from God. Repent and be baptized. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jim, so much for that uh, encouraging message, one that uh, we certainly needed this week. Uh, we do have a number of prayer requests, but start with a, a prayer of congratulations. Uh, it's an exciting uh, Sunday. Last Sunday, uh, Xavier Martinez was uh, baptized here. He was baptized by uh, his father, Norberto. I think we have the image up on screen. Uh, and uh, there were a handful here that were able to witness it live, uh, but we all celebrated together uh, this morning. Uh, and uh, we certainly pray for Xavier as he begins his Christian life and uh, are just so grateful for that family. Uh, a number of other prayer requests uh, that have uh, been uh, sent to the building. Uh, Janet's cousin, uh, Angela Martinez, and her husband, son, and daughter-in-law all have COVID. 
Uh, Darlene's sister-in-law, Betty, is back in the hospital. Uh, she'll be returning to the palace when she's released. Uh, Jenny's brother's wife, Alma Marie, has been battling breast cancer and asked that we uh, continue to remember her uh, in prayer. Uh, Nina Rodriguez asked for prayers for recovery from the arthritis that she's experiencing. Uh, my wife, Debbie, asked for prayers for her uncle and aunt, Buddy and Linda, who are also struggling with COVID. Mike is recovering from his third eye surgery. He also fell and hurt his shoulder, but he's, he's doing better. Uh, a former member, Elizabeth Box, uh, has asked for prayers for her father, who's in rehab from a stroke, and he is uh, struggling. Uh, Michelle's brother, Leonard Wooten, from the Gould's Church of Christ, passed away. Uh, his memorial service was yesterday. It's a, it's a uh, serious loss to the family, to that congregation, and we ask uh, prayers of uh, comfort to all that have been affected. Uh, Catherine's sister, Kim, who lives in Memphis, is also struggling with COVID. Uh, John F., uh, who's uh, struggling uh, with cancer, has been accepted into a research study, hopes to start treatment soon. Uh, another elder from Bulls Church of Christ, Ed Gooding, uh, is still in the hospital with COVID. Mark Herrera's father, uh, Marcos, has had his second chemo treatment and went well. He is scheduled for surgery. Uh, and we're asked to pray for Dustin, uh, his grandmother, uh, Lydia Dunnick, who also has COVID. So you can see, even as I read through some of our prayer requests, we have a number of our members and family and friends of members who are struggling with COVID. Uh, for that reason, we continue to meet remotely. The positivity rates in Miami-Dade County remain high. Uh, we're in the middle of what some call a surge on a surge. And uh, we really do pray for everyone to stay safe, uh, to be well, for those that are sick to recover. So join me in prayer. The Father in heaven, we're uh, grateful, Father, for the beautiful day that we have today. Father, we are grateful to be able to gather together as a congregation. We're gathering virtually, Father, but we are uh, joined in our unity that you've given us through the blood of your Son. And Father, you are, uh, as the day uh, reflects, uh, a God that's worthy of our worship. Father, we uh, are mindful of the example that uh, Jesus set for us in his own baptism. Father, we, we hear the words of John the Baptist uh, urging uh, those that have to give to those that don't uh, for uh, individuals to be fair and upright in the way they interact with employers and uh, people that they are uh, interacting with. Father, and we are uh, convicted of our own wealth and our own excess. Father, we ask you to help us to be people that are always generous, always charitable. Father, we know that we need repentance in our lives every day, Father, that uh, through our baptism, we've been brought into relationship with you. And yet, Father, we continue to fall each day. Uh, and we ask for uh, your forgiveness. Uh, we ask that you give us strength. Uh, we ask that you help us each day to try and be more and more like your son uh, as we live on this earth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. It's been sort of a disorienting week. We've seen uh, images on TV that we, we never thought we would see in a million years. Uh, I think our perspective can be a little limited, and I really am hopeful our better days are away. I mean, regardless of how you feel about his policies, it's remarkable that a, a black preacher who preaches in the pulpit of Martin Luther King Jr. was elected as a senator in Georgia. And as we think about our limited perspective, I'd just like to close out by reading Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the most holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations that he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fires. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Enjoy the nice day. As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Leads me safely through the sinking sand, it is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my prayer to Lord each day to help me do the best I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night, blessed Jesus, hold my Oh my. 